Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we are looking at the Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Beat Right, and Soundgarden is over! Oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, we are entering our last week of regular episodes for this show. Today we're talking about Minute 141, which begins with the 34 Lighting TDs, Shader Writers, at Weta Digital, and ends with the first six of the visual effects. Thanks. Joining us on the show today, our very own Steve Sarmento is back. Hello, Steve. Hey, it's great to be here. It's been a while since we chatted with you, uh, so we are thrilled to have some credits to talk about with you. <laughs> oh, I'm so thrilled to talk about credits. Oh, who wouldn't be, really? These were the minutes that everybody fought over, and only the lucky few got to pick these. Uh, but yeah, is, we're talking about minute 141. This, uh, we're continuing our visual effects, really. I mean, that's the bulk. In fact, that's the entirety of this minute. Uh, we're conti- we start off with Weta Digital, uh, which we started in our last minute. There are 462 total at Weta Digital. We only see the end of them here. And uh, and that's when we finally get to end the damn Soundgarden song, which has been <laughs> plaguing us for, <laughs> since, since really the end of 136. So good five minutes. Uh, we get into Hydraulics, which I just love the way that they type out their, uh, their name. It's fantastic. 61 people there. 49 people at Digital Domain. 12 people at Cantina Creative. 45 people at Luma Pictures. 37 at Fuel VFX. 29 at Evil Eye Pictures. 34 at Trickster, 36 at the third floor, additional visual effects by Lola VFX, Modus VFX, Whiskey Tree, and Perception, and then the thanks to, and we'll get some of those today, some of those tomorrow. That's really what we have this minute. Um, any particular notes from any of you before we get into our picks, as, as before we've been picking one person each to talk about? I have no notes, Andy. I just have a massive error in my own pick. Oh, the way you said that, you made me nervous that suddenly uh, you ran into sound issues and we are going to have to start over no. again or something. No, you're fine. We're fine. Everybody's fine. The only sound issue is that you... Soundgarden ended. That's <laughs> yes. the sound issue. That was the sound issue and it was fine. Uh, you know, just talking about Soundgarden, Steve, did you grow up with Soundgarden? Uh, kind of like, were, you, did, were they kind of in your mix of things from the early 90s? Or was it ever something that you listened to? Yes. Oh yeah, totally. A super unknown album was was really big. That was the whole grunge thing breaking out all across the country. So yes, Soundgarden was definitely in heavy rotation. Black Hole Sun. Oh yes. Do you still listen to them, or is Black Hole Sun the only song you know of theirs? Um, not as much because I'm not an angry young man anymore. So I've <laughs> mellowed out. I, I don't need the angry grunge as much anymore. Gotcha. <laughs> Gotcha. I just don't need the angry grunge has <laughs> run out its ser- terms of service. Yes, it has. I've unsubscribed. That's got to be hard <laughs> for the people who are like the performers of that uh, angry music, because at some point you think that they stop being angry and they settle into yeah. you know midlife and they're just like, well, I'm not so angry anymore. They become grumpy then. They become grumpy old men. So <laughs> yes. different things to be grumpy about. I haven't listened to the modern uh, 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 Soundgarden. Is that the transition that they have made? Are they in grumpy, mo- grumpy old men zone now? <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Hey, again, I I didn't bring this up on the the show when we were just recorded. But if 
if Soundgarden like is grumpy old men, what is Guar on Tiny Desk concert? <laughs> yeah, see, Steve knows. Steve knows. I knew Steve would be able to play the NPR game. Oh no, I know. I played the Guar game too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. oh geez. <laughs> That, yeah, I can't imagine. That's the tiny dust drenched in blood. Yeah, yeah that's, pretty much. Yeah. It's hysterical. Wow. You don't want to get so close to those masks. No. You don't. You need to have the distance. Anyway, let's talk about effects. <laughs> Speaking of creature effects. Speaking of. Uh, yeah, we each picked one person. Who would like to kick things off? Steve would. Steve. Yes, I, I will, because Andy sort of challenged me with this of, oh, Go pick a name. I looked at everything. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. There's just name after name. Oh, go find somebody in IMDb. Okay. And I got lucky. I, I was strategic and thought, okay, let me pick somebody that's got to be a supervisor or something. I ended up stumbling across uh, the Strauss brothers, uh, Greg and Colin with hydraulics that you, you mentioned before. And what was really fortuitous was they're from the Chicago suburbs, which is where I'm from. They're from Waukegan. Uh, which is not too far from where I, I grew up. And they, you know, as young men moved out to LA and started, you know, working in the, the visual effects. And I was really, um, impressed that they're, they're still continuing to work and some big movies and actually co-directed, uh, an alien, uh, movie. So they've, uh, Alien versus Predator, Requiem oh. is that they directed as the Brothers Strauss. So they're continuing to work. Uh, really well as these these brothers with hydraulics doing movies like uh, San Andreas, Rampage, and then several of the you know Dwayne Johnson movies. So yeah, I was really surprised that uh, picking a name out of the credits like that and stumbling across uh, two men that have really carved out a, a spot for themselves in the visual effects industry out there. Uh, I, I saw that uh, particularly the hydraulics worked on the uh, effects in the opening sequence of the film. So I had to go back and, and revisit that all the, you know, with the, the cube and the, uh, all of that stuff going on and, and see their work. Yeah. Project Pegasus. The, yeah. Yes. Nice. 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 That's interesting. I see yeah. that they also uh, worked a little bit on stranger things, uh, which is cool. Yes. A lot of the creature design and stuff for that one. Very fun. I, um, and again, I just love the way they type their name because it's in brackets and then it's, it's like H Y asterisk D R A U apostrophe L X. Yes. Or quotation mark, really. It's, it's the double apostrophe. So, uh, it's, it's fantastic and it's, it's a cool company. And I'm just looking at their website right now. They do a lot of amazing things. They're definitely very busy, very busy. A lot of work in the X-Men films. I mean, again, staying in the superhero realm. I mean, yeah, I, I was really surprised because I see a lot of these small firms will do like a little project here, there, and then maybe uh, don't make it. But they've continued to work on a lot of these these big films and continuing to work, have several things that are sort of uh, in progress right now. And I think given the, you know, sort of current environment on visual effects companies, it's great to see guys that are, are managing to keep their head above water. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's an it's a great minute to just like I mean, with everything going on in the industry right now, uh, I'm not I mean, certainly there's the strike with the, you know, WGA and SAG-AFTRA. But, you know, there's been a lot of talk lately just about how much work these visual effects people do and how um, so I mean, they don't have a union. And, you know, a lot of people are in that industry really feel that they should because they are used and abused. And, you know, I always go back to the, the team that won the Oscar for life of pie. And that was like right after the company had uh, declared bankruptcy. It's like, you know, they, they put so much work into this stuff 
uh, to accomplish what the directors want and the filmmakers want. And oftentimes they're working on whatever they've quoted and sometimes they're, it's just breaking the bank and it's a lot of, it's a, you know, it's an industry that really could use a little more, uh, control. And so it's, um, yeah, a good set of minutes to kind of give kudos to all these people. Yeah. Uh, does that mean, are you next? Do you uh, want me to go next? Do you want me to go first? I'll go. I'll go. Go, go ahead. Uh, I uh, it just, I mean, we are talking about effects. Uh, I ended up going with uh, another person who is in the effects realm, but I did not go big like you did. I love, um, you know, that uh, you went to some people who ended up like uh, with a whole bunch of stuff. I picked somebody who is a little more buried deep in there. And this was just somebody who was on the VFX crew for Luma Pictures. The person I ended up picking was Joel Gerlach or Gerlach. I'm not exactly sure how he says his last name. Um, but like you, I happened upon somebody who uh, actually had quite a bit of uh, information and is, is uh, kind of exciting to read about Joel. Joel kind of reminded me of Doogie Hauser. He's one of those people who finished high school when he was 16 and jumped into college. And he uh, graduated college when he was 18. Uh, with an associate's degree, and uh, then got a Bachelor of Science and with an emphasis in di- visual effects, moved to L.A. when he was 18 and started working at the age of 20 at Luma Pictures. So he was a VFX artist like when most people were still in college. And so it's amazing. Like he plowed through that stuff so quick and started working there. And then two years later, this is after, obviously, Avengers, because he was working at Luma Pictures when he worked on this. Two years later, he left to start his own VFX house, Studio 229. And that is what he is doing now. And uh, he's got his Vimeo page and everything. And Pete, he lives up by you. He's in Eugene. Eugene? Eugene, Oregon. Is that Oh, okay. You said Eugene, and I thought, do I need to correct your emphasis, putting it on the right <laughs> syllable? I got, I got real nervous. What, did you say Eugene? <laughs> you say Eugene. Oh, I just, I was, I was, I was excited. He lives in Eugene. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he lives in Eugene. Yeah. He lives in Eugene. Yes. Outstanding. Um, anyway, uh, his... He must be a hippie. He's got uh, he, he's got a little bit of that scruff. He His website, his name is joel.com. You can uh, see, you can check out what he is up to these days um, as a creative director. It looks like he's largely kind of stepped away from film projects and has been doing a lot of other different types of work. And um, yeah, it's just kind of exciting to see... As it says on his website, my name is Joel. I direct with a passion. I lead with compelling creativity. I excel at finding technical solutions. I craft memorable content that stands out. I love being part of a team. So that is Joel Gerlach, Gerlach, whatever his last name is. From Eugene. From from Eugene. <laughs> Eugene. <right>. Eugene. Uh, <laughs> I think that's great. And I I also, I have one from Witta Digital. That's my pick. It's my turn now. And my problem is, that I searched in proximity to the Weta creature designers. I wanted to talk about somebody who did creature work. And where I panicked was I started scrolling through the minute through all the Weta credits, and I can't find this person in the credits. But this person is all over the place and, in fact, is credited as lead creature designer, right? For So lead creature, sorry, lead creature technical director. So either I happen to pick a minute in which uh, this person is not listed with creatures and I'm going with it anyway, or they forgot somebody. But it's, it's not like we haven't seen 
you know, errors in in credits before. So who knows? It's probably them. So I picked a guy named Mike Corcoran. Mike is uh, was at, at Weta uh, as a lead creature technical director and has some fantastic credits because Weta does great stuff. Uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, The Adventures of Tintin, The Avengers. And let me just tell you, I'm go I'm on Mike's LinkedIn page to get all of Mike's stuff. Uh, and so this was just what was going on in uh, when he was there for four years and one month. Thank you, LinkedIn. Uh, Prometheus, Creatures Department, uh, Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, Iron Man 3, Man of Steel, uh, and also Lighting Technical Director on The Hobbit, Desolation of Smog, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. But the reason I got so excited about Mike Carkeran is that his very first credit was Creature Developer, and Industrial Light and Magic. And under that umbrella title, from 1995 to 2000, guess what his first credit is? From 1996. Anybody. Related to... To creatures? A series we've done on the next reel. In 96. And is something with creatures. Well, technically, according to his LinkedIn profile, he was... He, his title was Creature Developer, but the specific credit was CG Resource Assistant. Ooh, CG Resource Assistant. In 96, I 96. mean, that would be something. Oh, Independence Day? You're right. Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to go a little bit more recency yeah. bias. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> you guys played really well. Don't worry about it. You're great. Right. Uh, yeah, first four credits at ILM were Mission Impossible, Eraser, Daylight, and The Lost World, Jurassic Park uh, moved into the Star Wars universe and Mighty Joe Young uh, for the prequels was on the prequels team moved through DreamWorks then to to Weta Digital then back to ILM then over to Image Movers then back to Weta Digital then back to ILM uh, for a number of years and is currently principal solutions architect and head of research for creature technology at DNEG, Digital Negative. Isn't that interesting? What an interesting career yeah. path, Mike Corcoran. I think it would be fun to be the head of research of digital creatures. <laughs> That's very fun. So, <laughs> that, But it does make me wonder, like, was that a lot of work on Chitari, you think? That that's exactly oh, what I was yeah. wondering. It, in terms of creatures, it's it could have been we might have found somebody whose hands were dirty with the blood of the Leviathan sea cows. I wonder if Mike Ooh. Corcoran was involved in deciding to blow up the Leviathan's eyeball. I wonder if it. No. Yeah, I wonder if Mike Corcoran is eyeball pop. <laughs> oh, oh, that's crazy. If we found, the I person. guess we'll never know. <laughs> Mike. I don't know. You reach out on LinkedIn, see 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 what Mike's been up to. Right. Ask him about the eyeball. Did you pop the Leviathan eyeball? Oh. Asking for a podcast. Oh wow, that's fantastic. Well, that's yeah. It's interesting, and you know, I do wonder because I know we did have like some uh, earlier in the credits. I know we had um, some people who were credited with just kind of general effects who seemed to just be involved in the film, not necessarily at a company. And I I believe we had some suit people. I can't remember if we had any specific creature people. Yeah, at that I don't point. think we did. The suits were all ILM. 
I don't think they were all ILM. I think there was also mm. uh, some other ones. Marvel. Like Legacy Effects yeah. did some yeah. of the suits, yeah, too. Right. So, But it does make me wonder, um, where would Mike actually be credited in the yeah. film? Yeah. Somewhere, hopefully. Sounds important. So, with, with apologies to Minute 141, uh, <laughs> Mike Corcoran maybe should have been here. That's right. Only because there are... The, the problem is that there are all the other lead positions for Weta... Like lead texture artist, lead shader writers, animation leads, lighting leads, creature lead, Aaron Holly, but we just don't have the lead creature technical director. It just felt like they should be there. So maybe this is an aspirational pick. Well, as we as you've pointed out, like I mean, we had some ILM people credited at the end of a different production company. So it's like yeah. it, it seemed a little screwy with kind of the the run and gun way that these credits were thrown together. So it's entirely possible Mike is just somewhere else entirely. For sure. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Really interesting people. I mean, I I think all of these people are interesting and again, you know, the effects I think largely for this film hold up pretty well and and you know, I think it's a challenging industry, and I, you know, it, we're talking about a film that's eleven years old now. I, I think for the most part, it still holds up. I mean, there are a few things that you know a little wonky, but largely, I think, considering how many effects that they had to put into the film, um, I think they did a really good job with this one. No, it was it was nice going back and revisiting the beginning to look at that that opening sequence that the brothers Strauss worked on, and like, yeah, this really holds up and and really digging into their story made me really think about the role that all these visual effects people have of having to create something and rely on their skills and knowledge but also make it cohesive within the larger film of what amount of autonomy and creativity they have versus you know it's got to look like this and sort of that balance of you have to do your own work but it's got to be you know seamless with the look of everything else and that that's a tremendous amount of uh you know, work to to be coming up with ideas, but be consistent across the board. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to get me to think about all those names. I I like to sit and watch them scroll by, but I never really think about what's that day to day like and what's their contribution to the film. Because as we see more and more visual effects, you know, in movies and or the visual effects we don't even notice in movies uh, nowadays, it's it's really a testament to all of these people and the, the hours and hours they put in and, and bringing their skill set and, and doing the magic that's not noticeable most of the time. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, you know, all the work they did at the beginning, and then I was looking at the reel on their website as you were talking, and I saw that they also did, like, the shot at the end of the movie when it's Thor and Loki, and they've got the little Tesseract uh, device between the two of them, and they, they uh, you know, use it to beam back to Asgard. And, mm-hmm. like, just the simplicity of that shot like it's interesting to see it like and realize oh yeah of course they they would have filmed loki and thor separately and so you've just got the actors on this uh, in the circle with an empty space between them and then of course thor and loki are modeled in to kind of um so they can disappear it's just it's cool to see the way that they're putting all this together totally and it's like the decisions like does it make more sense to film without them in it or to film with them in it and remove them, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, it has been a fun minute chatting with you, Steve. Any last notes with anything going on in this in this section of the film? So many names. <laughs> so many names. No, so many, so many people. I mean, that's yeah. really the thing. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people get up and walk out of the credits, and it's really, you know, 
yeah, we're talking about the the writers and the actors, you know, strike, but it is really, you know, so many people that, that, you know, their livelihoods are at stake on these things and so much work they do and so much of it that, you know, they're not the big names that get that all the credit for the movies, but these movies would not be what they are without all of them and all the work they do, because it's when it looks good, when it works, nobody notices, but when it doesn't look good, the flash you hear about it all over the place (laughs) you know and so it's like this no-win situation you never get the glory but if something goes wrong you're the first ones whose name's going to be dragged through the mud so i know hats off to the visual effects people absolutely well um that's it uh oh you know we haven't really talked uh, last time we chatted with you we didn't really have a chance i mean what do you think of the film in general do you like this film in context of the marvel cinematic universe it's been a while. Yeah. It's still, I, it's, yeah. I mean, there's some things that don't, I think overall with some distance there, there was something to be said for this phase and early Marvel and how and just being in the moment of everything of like, it's like reading the comic books as an issue comes out, uh, just that momentum of the story, what's going to happen. And then in hindsight, a lot of that energy isn't quite is there. It's still fun. It's still a, a good ride. You know, watching this, I think pacing, moving things along, held held up. It's still enjoyable, but it just doesn't have that same magic that, oh my gosh, it's the first time the team's getting together. What is that going to be like? That anticipation scene, everybody come together. Uh, but it was nice coming back to it after a gap to see just, you know, and thinking about the fact that, oh, this is the first time we're seeing, you know, Mark ruffalo as as bruce banner yeah you know those those types of things it, it there's still a little bit of i don't know nostalgic you know freshness to it that's that's rewarding after being away from it for a while well it is a fun one um we have a couple more minutes to talk about uh but steve thank you so much for joining us today to close out the movie uh you know we've got minute 141 here two more minutes to go uh we certainly appreciate you being a part of it Always a pleasure talking with you guys. That's it for today. Pete will be back tomorrow uh, with uh, JJ to talk about Minute 142. So thanks as always. I'm excited about tomorrow, Andy, because I think we're going to be talking about the incredible artists who make these movies 3D, which we don't like watching. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>